0: welcome to The Property Unleashed with me, Mark Fitzgerald. And today I have another special guest joining me. Josh Keegan is an entrepreneur and has built a portfolio of properties as well as a letting agency in his time. From his background in the corporate world, Josh is now helping business owners get their businesses working for them so they get paid first and set up in the right way. He is also the host and one of the trainers on the Property Entrepreneurs Program, and it's a great pleasure to have him joining me here today. So welcome to
1: the show, Josh. Thank you, Mark. It's a joy and an absolute pleasure to uh, to to be here and get a, get a little stint on the podcast.
0: Yeah, no, it's good to have you. Good to have you. So for the listeners that uh, maybe haven't heard of you or don't know that much about you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe your, your sort of journey into entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, before uh, getting into as an entrepreneur, started as, a, as an accountant and uh, basically in two and a half years managed to get a chartership in uh, in, in accountancy, decided that probably wasn't um, wasn't for me, it, very corporate. And uh, once I'd done my exams, you know, life became very, quite easy. And for a lot of people to be fair, you know, that nine to five job would have been appealing, but I was so used to studying outside and, and the hard work associated with it, wanted some progression. So I left that and started uh, what what then became a, a HMO specialist letting agency called Zest with my now late business partner, uh, Phil. And over a few years, we we scaled that. Um, about three years in, we doubled in size, uh, but we actually went from making uh, very little money to, to losing money. And it was quite a, a revelation uh, at the time that that had happened. We couldn't really understand why. And we also then uncovered some difficulties within that business, some real black holes, some things that we didn't consider, that that had been accounted for incorrectly, corporation, tax issues, client accounting that we'd done wrong. And we actually got ourselves into a very, very serious um, kind of deep and dark uh, black hole. It then took me about 18 months to actually get that resolved. We spent literally tens of thousands of pounds on finance professionals. We couldn't seem to get the answer. And then once we did that, we vowed never to go back to that again. So we spent about another 18 months making that business very, very lucrative and make, putting it into a place. Which uh, which meant that it was never going to get into that kind of difficulty uh, difficulty once again. Ran that for a good couple of years, as it was, and you know, really good business. And decided almost a year ago, um, almost a year ago, so thirty first of December, twenty twenty one, we actually then sold and exited that business uh, because the market was changing and we wanted to do different things. Since then, I uh, moved on to what was kind of I was doing informally at the time, which is Ultimate FD where we basically prevent and help people that get into the same situation I got into with my trading business. They get into that financial black hole. They need financial clarity. They need a finance function. They need a team. And we help people get all that set up, help them put all those controls in place, allow them to, to really scale a uh, a business of, of value and making sure that they, they have control over cash. They know what their P&L is. They know how they're, they're performing. And that is essentially what we do. And along the way, I have, you know, created quite a sizable uh, HMO portfolio, which I'm very fortunate that it's still managed by my previous business that, that basically allows me to kind of fund the day to day my day-to-day existence whilst helping clients through through Ultima FT.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. So you've done quite a lot in, in quite a short space of time as well, I suppose. There's a lot of different moving elements there, isn't there?
1: I guess so. It's been about um, about six or seven years. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, probably, probably uh, done quite a lot. It's um, yes, yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey. It's been quite a natural journey. It's been quite a natural kind of progression. I'd say I, I didn't go out and consciously decide to create a, a you know let into business. It kind of, I kind of fell into it, and I think when my business partner got very sick and he kind of had to step out within about a year of working together, and he was one with all the experience. I was thrust into. But it was make or break. It was it was sink or swim. So I had to learn very quickly how to recruit because I now had this person that was doing so much. And then I had to do all that responsibility. So I had to learn how to recruit very quickly. I had to learn how to uh, manage properties effectively. We had to learn how to let effectively. I had to learn how to do portfolio building, buy properties for other people. Um, then I had to learn how to navigate you know, a cash crisis. So I think it's all you know him getting sick and then eventually passing was um you know very very challenging you know it was a very very challenging time but you know in hindsight it, it thrust me into a world and a world of progression and, and accelerated my journey because I had to very very quickly like I didn't have that safety blanket anymore I didn't have that kind of slow that slow and steady approach if I had taken that approach it would have been a it probably would have set us back as opposed to 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 setting us forward.
0: Yeah, yeah. So a difficult time, unfortunately, but um, one that you must have learned a hell of a lot through as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, then if you've uh, you've have you, have you ever heard of the uh, what's it called? The I think it, uh, Mo Gowda talks about it. Um, do you know who Mo Gowda? It talks about yeah. soul for happy. Yeah, where it's the reset button. And uh, yeah. the question is like, would you actually go back and those dark times and those things? And for him in Mo Gallagher's book, *Soul of Happy*, he's talking about his uh, his son who, who tragically passed away. And it's like the question is like, would you would you actually go back and would you reset? Like, would you would you take that event away and and have that not happen in your life? And very few people would ever press the button. And and I think I I would agree. It's like obviously if I could bring, bring Phil back and him not have to suffer, you, you know, you will what that's happened. But in terms of the events that took place to push me to where I am, you know, that, that I'm grateful for that, for that kind of journey and that, uh, that, that, that requirement to mature, you know, very, very quickly and, and, and effectively essentially.
0: Yeah, no, good point. Good point.
1: So if you, if you go back to obviously
0: Josh, the nine to five corporate guy, um, what actually made you sort of think, hang on a minute, I need to, or I want to do more in my life or I want to get out there. I want to create things for myself. What? uh cause I'm always interested for me. It took a long time. Obviously you're younger than me and everything, but it took me a long time to get that. But I think you need to have that sort of moment. It's that moment where you think, hang on a minute. I am just a number and I need to, and, I, and there is more to this life than just, you know, the corporate life.
1: Yeah. Well, first thing I'd say is I quite enjoyed uh, what I was doing and, and i and I've never not enjoyed a job like even when i was washing up at a chinese restaurant like i enjoyed it It, it's i've never had it like a have never been one of those people that 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 turns up and goes oh i hate this and moans about i i one of the things i'd say is i don't understand those people so that that's probably something that's relatively unique when you hear these people that just moaning about their jobs i don't get it because just just don't do it do something else quit and i literally just recorded a, a podcast on my episode a moment ago saying that one of the um one of my gifts and my curses in my life has been, um, not seeing money as a, you know, a finite resource. So I, I was never scared to quit my job. because I didn't really see money as this thing that I have, I wouldn't have, I just worked it out or I could borrow or I could get a credit card or I could do something. So that gave me the confidence to, to basically quit. And I think my parents have always been very good in that because I've always known, you know, they, they never, uh, well, they may disagree. I don't think that my mum ever gave us like lows and lows. You know, she'd have never, you know, his 500 quid or whatever. We never had that, but she, they would they, always create the safety net. So I knew that if it went wrong, you know, I'd, they'd pay or they, they'd let me come home or, or whatever. But I think that moment you're talking about is, I, I do remember very, very vividly. It was in my kind of third placement. I was uh, working for a big multinational. Uh, defense company moving around and it's in my third placement um and it was uh i was in a financial reporting role and i remember it was quite a kind of struck there was quite a corporate structure and then for anyone that knows about finances you, you basically have the the i was just basically basic a junior accountant or accountant or what i don't know what i was called and then i had a finance manager who sat above me then a financial controller that sat above me that sat above him then a finance director that sat above her and I remember we had a meeting with the finance director and it was some work I'd pulled together. So it was myself, the finance manager, finance controller and the finance director. And I remember we went into this finance director's office and, you know, it was, it was absolutely fine. We sat down, you know, it was, it was clunky, you know, that really cheap, cheap furniture, cheap table. You know, it was all, it was all fine. And this guy, you know, nice guy, but, you know, quite, quite overweight, middle aged man. Um and we sat down, and had this meeting, and I think I can't remember exactly the 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 um the detail of it, but I think he said something and I interrupted and basically told him that that was that wasn't correct, or he'd missed something when he when he said it. And my finance manager my financial controller, the two people more senior to me, kind of looked and like, I couldn't believe I just you know stuck an oar in and, and just said something. Then he said, Yeah, you're actually right, I totally missed that, and that's a really good point. Um and then when we came out of that meeting, they said josh you did so well in that meeting like you know in in five to ten years that could be you sitting in that room and uh, initially i was like oh that's really nice thing to say and that was good for my ego then i started to really think about it and think what sitting in that room really meant and Mm. i didn't really although i respected this person thought he was a nice human being you know the 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 middle-aged overweight man with glasses a balding head and a, and a shirt that doesn't fit him in a in a really boxy office looking over a runway with some people love it aircraft going by and all the noise outside it just didn't get me going and I thought that's not where I really appreciate the comments but that would not be where I want to be so five to five, mm. ten years time that is not that's not me that, that's not what I want want to do And ironically now I'm sitting here as a a self proclaimed the ultimate FT. So basically in a similar role to him, probably five, six years on, but it's you know a very different experience to that that corporate lifestyle that wasn't really yet where, where I was going.
0: Well, I suppose you, you've made your own sort of future, if you like. You, you've you've done what you wanted to do. So I, I know for a fact that you like to travel, you you know, you've got a young family now as well, but you like to travel, you like to see the world, but you can do your work from anywhere, can't you? So it's you're not stuck in that box corporate office or anything like that. You know, if you want to go yeah. on holiday, you can still go on holiday, but you can still fit time in to do the work that you want to be doing as well, which... I mean, it's the lifestyle and the dream, so to speak, that everybody wants. But those dreams can be a reality. You've just got to make sure that you put the plan together and the hard work as well and the discipline that, that comes with it. So, I mean, it's great that you got the compliment. And I, I suppose you could also take that and think, well, you know, I, yeah, maybe I am destined for better things, but I'm going to go out there and I'm going to create them myself. So, I mean, when you left that sort of corporate job or, or corporate element were you were you building up a property portfolio alongside this or or did you did you leave that to just go for it or, or how did how did it go from there
1: yeah so um this is where phil came in so phil phil um was was my business business partner unfortunately in about a year into working together he got um a tumor and his spine and then unfortunately passed away about three i don't know how long ago, maybe two to three years later um, and it, that was a roller coaster because he was in, he was out, he was in, he was out. And it was a very traumatic kind of time, for his, particularly for his family. But um, fortunately, i have actually met him a few years prior. So he was, he put an advert in a, uh, in a, um, uh, I, I, on a like our university intranet. I was at the University of Manchester and I still, I still live in Manchester now. And uh, he put an advert out basically advertising for uh, a finance person to come and actually help him design a system to manage his portfolio. So Basically, you know, you you got rents of portfolio markets, you know, managing the rents in, managing the rents out, and basically basically managing all the numbers and the finances to give him the reports that he wanted. At the time, either zero was something that was very new, or it wasn't like a it, it wasn't a big thing. And, and for whatever reason, we we thought it was the right idea to kind of create a system on a spreadsheet to do this. So we got to know each other over a period of time for about you know two two years, trying to build this build this model and machine so he could essentially you know retire and and, and go away and travel around the world and um so when uh then i went abroad for a bit he went abroad for a bit we kind of fell out of contact and then it was me and my friend so me and my friend had been living in a flat together in manchester and we we're both like it would be cool to buy a place so we you know we're not paying rent anymore we're actually owning a property and i reached out to him uh to phil and said look do, do you mind uh having a conversation and and uh you know talking to us about this sent him a a, a message and then i didn't hear back from him, uh for like maybe a week 10 days and I found out later he apologised and said he just had his first son. So it was like, fair enough, you know, a lot going on. But then he agreed to come out the following week in, in the night time. And we sat down and we chatted for, you know, three or four hours. Phil was the kind of man that would, like, give you give you an abundance of time. Like, he wasn't he wasn't trying to – he would just give you more than what you ever, you ever expected. And it was an amazing part of his character. And um, at the time, he just started, he just bought – uh maybe just done done one professional hmo quite a low level like you know the kind of c grade property and it was just buying one to kind of turn into like a you know a star grade you know professional hmo in, in in a in a town in the in the outskirts of manchester and so it was a relatively new thing And i always remember we got into the lift and we were talking and he i think he just met dan so dan hill at the time and he was just basically thinking about how does he turn this you know this um sole tradership of just basically him doing 40 hours of, you know a week maybe more running to do doing everything from being on the tools to refinancing properties into a business and he said one of the first things you need to do is need to bring some people in and I said well you know what I'm I'm very keen to to quit my job and and uh and and do something similar to, to start a business and I, I was playing around with at the time with a few different domain names. I was looking at consultancy work I could potentially do. And so he said well let's try it out. So we tried out and uh yeah we all just spanned from there and all went very very uh quickly so i kind of got lucky in in a sense that um oh yeah and, and on, on that as well like basically the day i quit my job we started working together within what became zest but also we just bought a property as well so bought our first hmo that we did which i, I sold you know a few months back now but it's um so it all kind of kicked off at the same time so I bought a house started a company i uh, quit my job and just 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 really went for it and think one of the advantages you get when you're you know 24 25 is um or one of the advantages i had is is i bought a hmo and then i i renovated that hmo with, with um my my brother and my friend who like we did it as a threesome like a three business partners but we all lived in that hmo as well so it meant that we kind of lived for free so although there wasn't much money in the companies for a long time for the first 18 months two years maybe even longer my living costs were very very low and so. I hear people doing this quite a lot. So, if anyone that's maybe on that journey, thinking about quitting or thinking about you know getting into that you know business life, if you can buy a flat and rent out the room, rent out a room, so basically mortgages covered, or if you can buy HMO and living it yourself, it may not be your desired lifestyle, but it's it's a way to get started and a way to get going.
0: Yeah, it's a means to an end at the end of the day, isn't it? And of course, if it's your HMO, then you can make it as nice or, or you know, the luxuries that you want in it as well. So I think that's really, really good. So, I mean, when you started Zest, your letting agency, was that plan then? Was it was it a case of you, you wanted an agency, so to speak, to start looking after your own portfolio or was it the plan to be, you know, this big letting agency that it's it's become? Very
1: good question. Um I'd love to tell you it was the plan from the start, and we had this master plan, and we created and we built it. But 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 honestly, I don't think it was. And I think that's probably um a point in itself. In that most businesses, I think you know we we start with this idea. Ultimate FT is a really good example. We start with a concept, and it's progressed into something totally different to whatever I ever imagined it was going to be. But it's it's what where I wanted it to be. And you build it year on year. The plan initially was basically just to manage Phil's portfolio. We probably had about 20 rooms, at the t- 16 to 20 rooms at the time. So it wasn't big or 16 to 20 units, I should say, because some of them were single lets. So we built the business around managing his portfolio. But we also did it at a time where it was it was very kind of quite niche. There were lots mm-hmm. of letting agencies that did students, but there were very few that did professional HMOs. And it was kind of crest of a wave as well. Like it was at a time where, where professional HMOs were just starting to really take off, particularly in, in the Manchester area as well as the i mean this was um you know seven or eight years ago at the start of that that journey before everyone was doing them um and it started with phil's portfolio people would then contact us to see if we would um manage theirs we started to take on a few of theirs um slowly, slowly and steadily and then i'd say what then happened was because people wanted HMOs, they then contact us and they say, can you source these deals for us as well? Can you find these HMOs? Can you refurb and can you manage them? So basically, we then created Desk Portfolio Builder, which was then a business designed to source a property, renovate a property, and then pass it over the agency to actually be managed uh, by us as well. So once you've got all of that going on, we've got our portfolio, we've got new management clients portfolio, and then you've got Portfolio Builder. On top of that, it didn't take long for that to become quite a, a large um, self-sustaining business like really quickly and for the first two three maybe three years we were literally doubling in size each year and it was 20 rings to 40 40 to 80 80 to 160 so it was it was very rapid growth and I would say at the time there were very few people other people doing it so it was hard to do effectively and do well it was uh you know we were learning as we go and there wasn't the models and the blueprints and you know there, there wasn't people like me that you know done it sold and exited that knew how to do it it was so it was, it was quite hard going
0: did you so so obviously you know you, you get caught up what well, i do i get caught up in businesses and things and then all of a sudden you sort of look up and you think crikey we've created a beast at mm. the end of the day you know it, it maybe it's it's a bit too big now and then, and then like you say yourself it's all about systemizing it and processes, but, when you start out, you don't always start out looking at systemizing or processes and everything in your business. You sort of sometimes you get to a point where uh, it's like, oh my god, it's it's too late. You know, oh, there's there's a mountain of work to get through now because we've come this far. Yet we now need help and support. We need we need more employees and stuff like yeah. that. Did you, did you find that, or, or was it like you say it was quite steady? You were saying, but did you did you get to a point where you thought, oh, hang on a minute, we we've, we've created a real beast
1: here? Yeah. One hundred percent, and I think um, there were probably multiple points where we realized we'd kind of created something that was that was quite big and quite uh, quite challenging. And I think um, I wouldn't say it was slow and steady, but what I'd say is I got I got forced. I say forced. I I I kind of had to systemize and recruit at the same time from a relatively early stage because all of a sudden I'd gone from doing the jobs I was doing, which was probably too much, plus trying to lead and, and push the business forward which what which was what Phil was doing you know that got that rug got pulled up from underneath us in like you know a weekend it's like right Phil's no longer involved and it was it wasn't, there wasn't a planning it was like all right he's gone um and we just had to crack on so I was forced and, and I think I've always been quite systems focused and and when we sold the business at the end one of the reasons why I got you know great value is, is the systems is the processes, and everything that was built in there but I did that out of a necessity and a, and, and a need to get things off my plate and a need for other people to manage things for me. And you can't really get people to manage stuff unless it's been relatively well considered, process driven, and uh and systemized. I think an interesting point in our journey, which I've never really talked about before, but it's it, it kind of uh it it it's like an interesting element and it's kind of prompted by your question. Is one of my one of our biggest accomplish one of our biggest accomplishments was to um realize we'd gone too big and was to basically fire some of our clients. And we will talk about this in in. Well, you, you hear this you hear this all the time. People say fire your clients, but the reality of actually doing it is a very, very different story. You know, it's like letting go of money. Hmm. But firing our clients was actually one of the um things that that threw us into real financial hardship for reasons where you may not, you may not I'll explain the reasons in a moment. It's one of the best things we did because it meant that we, we realised, we, I think we must have got to around 290 or so rooms and it was just tough. Like the business was hard, uh, complaints all the time, service failure, voids. It, it, just, it was not a nice place to be in this, you know, this was three or four years in, not a nice place to be at all. And it was just a very difficult place and, and not enjoyable for anybody, anybody involved. So we made a, a bit of a leadership decision to kind of fire a lot of our clients and get rid of a lot of our clients. Now, this actually was a catalyst to the business kind of uh, falling apart and creating the black hole. The reason for this is because we, um, I'll openly share, and I would never advise this, I'll openly share that we weren't client accounting effectively. So client accounting, when you've got an agency, is basically where you you take client money. So So, for example what happens is on the first of the month we receive two and a half grand from a HMO from, and then at the end on the first of the following month, we give the landlord that two and a half grand, less maintenance, less management fees. And that's the way it works. So it means basically in your client account for a month, you've got some kind of capital in there. Cause so every property you take on, you get that two and a half grand at the start and you don't pay out to the first of the following month. But on that same day, you get another two and a half grand in for the, for the next month. So what happens is as you uh, grow that, at every property you get, it's like your your balance just increases because basically you 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 receive the tenant, the money from the tenants in advance and you pay out in arrears. And then once you pay out again, you receive the next payment in advance. So your balance just keeps going up and up and up. So you basically end up sitting at a level um with your client money. What we didn't realize. And what, what we hadn't got set up effectively, and this is what I help clients do all day long now, so it never happens for, for them, is that we weren't client accounting properly. And we were just in a place where client account was mixed with uh, business money, and it was just all quite messy. And this is at a time where there wasn't mandatory client money protection. There were less rules around it as well. So we didn't really realize to scale the business, we spent a lot of client money. And accidentally, we'd accidentally basically dipped into the client account by accident, just by not having financial clarity on those different elements. what happened was we were always okay because while we were growing every time we took on a new client that that balance just went up and it went up again and it went up again went up again went up again so we never really like ran out of money we couldn't really understand it we just thought we were like doing okay we just thought it was fine and we we were just managing it well as soon as we we off boarded about 70 rooms and um if you imagine each room is about 500 pounds that's about thirty five pound of like uh of basic client money that goes out because we make the payment and it doesn't come back in yeah. So all of a sudden, client money's up here, and then all of a sudden we up all them and it goes like that. And all of a sudden we go from like having a really nice cash balance in there to being in negative and not really understanding what had happened. And that's that was the kind of catalyst for like the, the black hole we we created. So we realized we grew a monster, we acted on that, but we weren't financially savvy to realize what what was actually gonna happen. and um, as a result of that and that's what really kicked off this kind of real challenge around the finances financial clarity and, and uh, yeah i always make well i can't make excuses you know we're busy my business partner was very ill and we, i didn't have the time the energy or the capacity to actually deal with it all and manage it all but the reality is it's like we just hadn't put we hadn't found the team and the infrastructure to manage our finances properly whilst we were we were developing and, and growing the business
0: but I suppose we all live and learn at the end of the day. You're still here to tell the tale, which is great yeah. because, you know, you could have could have folded, you could have gone under, but you obviously, you know, pulled up your socks, pulled up your sleeves or whatever, and you managed to get yourself back, you know, on a level where it's a successful business. And, of course, the learnings, as you say there, you've now taken into your Ultimate FD uh, package. Or, or I always want to say, is it like a mentor? I mean, tell us a bit more about the Ultimate FD.
1: We, what we do is basically create – so, so – If you imagine, um, when I was in this boat, when everything had gone wrong, we'd create this black hole, the company wasn't performing. I I ended up spending around £60,000 at about 18 months trying to just get a grip on my numbers, trying to get a grip on my financials. And basically, I finally found a solution that allowed us to do that and managed to create what we call world-class finance function. And there are different elements that you need. Uh, One of those is you need systems and software. So zero, you know, linked with Bespoke integrations. You need four professionals, which is the four finance professionals you need to run any any finance department. All pay per hour, all very cost effective, and scales up and down and scales based on on the business. And you need three pillars, which is basically your your cash flow, your PL, and your your balance sheet. So what we do now is basically we'll have a, a company that's maybe been going for like three or four years, or, or we we do it sometimes with brand new companies as well. And they're in this boat where they where they you know they kind of got a bookkeeper, but they're never quite getting what they want. They've got a tax accountant. That they think it's too expensive, and they're getting accounts done by them. And they need somebody to come in, look at their finance department, redesign that finance department, and then and then recreate. like basically create it. And basically, what we do is we come in, we do all that work. We do. We basically take it from where it is to where it needs to be using it, our team. We clean up. We put the professionals in place. We train everybody. We agree who does what when. Uh, we have finance reviews with them so they can kind of we, we, we basically sense check the information that they're looking at make sure it's good and then we hand it over and say look there's your finance team there's your finance function this is how it's all going to work there you go and then we just set them off to actually to actually work on that and then on top of that we do forecasting we do models etc as well to help them set the budget to actuals but that's probably slightly more more advanced
0: oh, that, that makes brilliant. sense um, yeah 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 no it makes perfect sense and i suppose you know, going back through the history of of the, the the black hole that you put into yourself, it's it's quite easy for you to be able to walk into other people's companies and maybe pinpoint areas where that that they're probably making similar mistakes in whatever it is that they're doing. And you you do this for uh for any business, basically, do you?
1: Yeah, I'd say majority of our our, our companies are, are property based, so there could be rent to rent letting agencies, portfolio landlords. But we've worked with engineering companies, wedding venues, yeah, all sorts, and, and it all applies. Um, but yeah, it, it all just works and, and applies, and you, you pop this in place. I think, interestingly, um, I was chatting to one of my team members yesterday, and we use a lot of the work we do, and a lot of the, the, the resources we use for the for, four professionals that you need the bookkeeping, finance manager, finance assistant, tax accountant is based in South Africa because they've got a real sweet spot of. Um, quality versus um, cost. So it works really effectively and really well. And interestingly, um I was speaking to 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 her and she was saying that basically their best UK client is the equivalent of their worst South African client. And and I was saying like what what what's the reason for that? Like why are we so bad in the UK or why are we so bad as entrepreneurs in the UK doing books, doing accounting and getting clarity on, on all the numbers. And one of her points was that we tend to just undervalue it and we tend to rely on you know cheaper labor in the philippines or we think we can do it ourselves when we're really not qualified um qualified to actually do it Mm. so it's uh it's definitely an area which entrepreneurs often undervalue until they need to value it and i was definitely in that in that zone you know i thought you know we were fine you know i was looking at the bank balance it all seemed okay i was too busy i had loads going on and i should have known better i'm a chartered accountant but like Everybody, I was doubling the size of our business every single year. And, you know, we get we get caught up and we think, as long as there's money in the account, we pay our bills, we're all good. Um, but what often happens is we outgrow whatever system we've, we've, uh, we've got in place, which could be a spreadsheet. It could be we're doing the accounts ourselves. It could be, um, you know, multiple spreadsheets. It could be a virtual assistant. And all of a sudden, this big business becomes a bit of a monster. And we lose control and we run out of cash. And then when we run out of cash, I don't know if you've ever run out of cash before, Mark, um, but it's a its a very difficult and uncomfortable situation. It can literally take years to recover. And then, then you're like, well, how do we stop that happening? And it's like what we do is how you stop it from happening. You have the controls in place. You have the teams in place. You have um, the reporting in place. You have forecasts in place so that cash is managed. Business is managed. Margins are being improved. Profitability is being looked after. And as a result, things tend to go very, very well. Well, you don't have this in place. That's where things fall down. We miss it, things. We overlook things, and uh, the business can can easily crumble around us.
0: I think what well, you've hit it on the head there. At the end of the day, you know, ca- cash in a business is is king. It's what it's all about. It makes it survive. It makes it a business. It makes it a viable business. But again. Exactly. Everybody always thinks, oh, bookkeeping, I'll do that myself, like you say, or I'll, I'll just give it to a, a to a, a Filipino VA or somebody like that. And, and, you know, there are decent ones as well. Don't get me wrong. But it is. We always look at that as the last thing. It's like, oh, I've got to spend money on the account and I've got to spend money on a tax advice and things. But that is money well spent. I always I mean, I've learned the hard way myself. You spend some good money, you get some good advice, you get good um you Know good leads onto what you're doing in your business, and yes. it'll save you a fortune in the long run. And like you say, I mean, I, I think it's brilliant what you do going in there and setting it all up and basically handing this model to, to companies and businesses and saying this is what you want now go moving forward, and you may obviously you make it bespoken to whatever you know business you're going into as well, It's really, really good. And I, I think a lot of people need to, you know, take a look at this, particularly if they've started and they've already got the revenue and things coming in because. As you say, I, I've come very close a couple of times to running out of money just because yeah. of growth. And what we we yeah. get caught up in growth, we think growth is brilliant. Growth is what it's all about. But we do want growth and we do want to build businesses. But if you're not looking at the cash flow, if you're not looking at, you know, the the, the books and everything as it's going, then you run out of money. You haven't got a business, have you?
1: Yeah. And, and I think that there's a few sentiments there. One would be more revenue does not mean more profit. I learned that the hard way when I doubled in size and we went from making an okay amount of money to, to actually losing money. And it's, uh, you know, the key here is getting your, your model right, your business model, and how your margin is actually going to work. And you can only do that if you know where you are now, where you're going. You know, it's a finance-driven business. It's like you work this out first and then you create the business, not the other Don't let the business create your, your finances uh, for you. And then all of this stuff, finances and investment, not cost, it's, mm. you know, most of my clients end up, end up spending between two to five percent of their revenue on finance is not a huge amount of money, but it's 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 what business is actually about. And if you're serious as an entrepreneur, you should be an entrepreneur to make money. The novelty of you know the flying by the seat of our pants, being creative all day every day, looking for freedom, that all wears off when we're not making money. And if you really want entrepreneurship to be fun, if you really want to you know scale a business of value, if you want to create like long-term generational wealth, the, the the focus should be you have a model you know what your margin is going to be you know what your accounts look like you're, you're monitoring everything you're in control so you make a healthy sum of money every single month that you can take off the table and you can basically use that to to fund your fund your lifestyle mm. and one of the things i'd say is a huge um part of like the methodology we use and the mantra we use is this is not you, know, you don't have to be making millions and millions of pounds a year. Like For some people, making three grand a month is absolutely fine, but just make sure your business is going to make you three grand a month every single month without fail. And that's what we're trying to get people to do, and that's what we're pushing people uh, towards, as opposed to creating a really um, temperamental business, one that kicks out one grand a month, ten grand a month, minus five grand a month. That's not where we want to be. And the way we create this very consistent business, consistent returns, consistent cash flow, consistent chunks of money we can take off the table is really mastering our margins and really knowing our numbers That that's how we do that and that, that's the key so if you if, if
0: somebody was starting out because there may be people listening to this that are you know getting into property they're starting out maybe they're starting different businesses what would you recommend they do initially so to speak you know maybe they want to keep costs down because we always try and keep costs down and everything but what you know from your experience
1: and everything like that what
0: would what would be some good advice for them
1: So I'll give you some advice, but not everyone's gonna. Some some people will hear this; they won't listen, and that's that's the reality. And like we're, we're all yeah. we guilty of this. Like, if, you know, if you told me at the start when um, if you told me at the start, don't do a HMO that's going to only get you you know a fifteen percent return on investment because it probably make you no money in the future, I'd go. That sounds like rubbish. You know, it, it's like it, it's these things that will, what, are you going to hear it? Are you going to listen? What one of the first points I'd say is don't do. Well, Number one, do this. Like get, get your finances in place. Start managing this from the start. Any serious entrepreneurs that you are going to work with in the future. I've just started, um, started a business with, with a very serious entrepreneur. And the first question is, when are the management accounts going to be done each month? It's, like, it's not the last thing we think about. It's the first thing. It's the only thing that, that, that matters. So first thing to think about is, when are your management accounts going to be done? When are you going to be reviewing your numbers every single month? Because that's just an, it's a requirement. It's not something that you think about later. Second point would be don't do this yourself. It's both above and beneath you. And so what I mean by that, so too many entrepreneurs they go out and think, I'm just gonna oh zero is easy to use. Zero is easy to use. Yeah, getting an accounting system like zero is a very easy thing to use. But but there's it's easy to use, but it's not easy to do bookkeeping, it's not easy to do balance sheet accounting. So you might be able to reconcile a few transactions, but you're not gonna know where you're actually meant to put them, and you will create a mess. So doing this is above you it's like you are actually not qualified to do this. And if you don't know how to account for a balance sheet, don't try and learn like you're not chartered, you're not qualified, you're just going to create a mess and this will outgrow you. But but second it's beneath you as well in that we should all be looking at an hourly rate and to get a bookkeeper anywhere from you know 10 to 20 pounds an hour, we should all be aspiring as entrepreneurs to have a higher hourly rate than that. If we don't have that, we should go and get a job stacking the shelves at Tesco or, or doing something that's, that's far less risk, far less stress and we'll pay us every single week and every single month uh, without fail. So those would be the kind of biggest centres of advice would be uh, make sure you do this, but please don't do it yourself. In terms of then what you actually need, there are basically three elements that you need to get this right from the start. And what I would say is when you do this from the start, it doesn't have to be expensive at all. It can be very cheap, very affordable. And we've got clients that have retainers or, or like have, they pay for that for all their finances as low as 150 £200 a month. You might be sitting there going, Whoa, £150 a month, that sounds like a lot of money. But your tax account alone is going to be 50 or 60 quid a month as part of that. And to then get your reports, your bookkeeping, your finance management on top of it, that to me is like it's just a requirement. There are three elements you need. First is your systems and software. We talked about that before. You need an accounting system like zero, 26 quid a month roughly uh, to manage all of your finances uh, for you. But it'll be a level up for your business as well before you even get into reporting. You've got a system that can do credit control for you send you invoices which look professional, allow you to do your expenses and look after your uh, your, your, your receipts etc in one system. That's about even getting into the reporting all those different elements. You might want some uh, add-ons to that like um, Dext Dex is a really good one it allows you to send your receipts straight into zero and it kind of reads that receipts for you automates the process a little bit something like mile iq might be really valuable if you do mileage allows you to once again just make the most of claiming for your mileage and then you might want bespoke integrations on that as well don't always recommend these and generally if you are just starting out you probably don't need any bespoke integrations but as you get into like that you know as your business starts to scale you might find something like our front is a really good one if you're a letting agent or it could be yeah something like sum up if you're in a cafe and you take payments that's the systems the second is the four professionals so finance assistant bookkeeper finance manager and tax accountant those are your four professionals that you need the key is you the is kind of low value um, low value high volume so high value low volume from top to bottom there so your finance assistant they might be a VA in the Philippines they're absolutely fine and um, they could be three dollars an hour that's absolutely cool um, but they aren't doing any bookkeeping work they're doing uh, operational finance paying people in the bank. Managing your expense claims, uh, chasing your tenants that haven't paid their rent. Find that bookkeeper is for reps and checks. They're checking the balances, reconciling the bank account. Finance manager oversees them. Chartered accountant, make sure that's all been run correctly. And then your tax accountant is your strategic kind of tax planning person to help you minimise um, your tax. And then the third is the three pillars. So you just need to make sure that this, these systems and these people are producing three statements every month, which is your PL, your balance sheet, your cash flow forecast. That is the most basic part of this whole thing. And that will put you in really good stead to do the rest. And that's basically, that's where are you now. That's giving you clarity on where you are every single month without fail.
0: That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. That's really, really that good. Awesome. Really enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, yeah. It's so, so important that you make sure that you put these things into place. And I've I've been... Um, I've been one of those people that haven't ignored it all and everything uh, to my own peril. But over the last couple of years, I've, I've got things into place. And like you say, bookkeepers yeah. and things like that, it's not things we want to be doing. We want to be out there doing deals. We want to be out there creating a business. So why not have the other professionals or the other people doing those things for you? Uh, and that's obviously, you know, what this is all about as well. And as I say, when you said that price as well, people started that. That's an absolute no brainer. I tell you now, some people might say oh, that's expensive. That. I mean, That's
1: money well spent. I'm glad you think that. Some people think that zero at £26 a month is expensive and won't pay for it. So it's a, it, it is a bit of a mindset thing, I think.
0: Well, I'm, I'm all, you know, in the wealth dynamics, I'm all blaze. So, uh, you know, the finances, I like to look at a bank balance and I like to think, yeah, that's, 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 you know, it's positive. That's what it's all about. The rest of it, I like to leave to the other people that are better equipped uh, and and will do a better job than me and can just report to me, basically, Mark, we need to either sell more, we need to do more, we need to bring more clients in, we need more customers and and that sort of thing. So um so yeah you know work to your own speciality and and move on from there. So what does the future hold for Josh and what are you what are your plans?
1: That's that's a good question. So the um business wise really is for the next year just to sell out ultimate fifty which is which is going to be going to be awesome and it's uh it's we're already booked up mainly for q1 2023 and it really is just basically make sure that we deliver like world-class remarkable service for all the clients that get involved and and uh and get on board and, and really make sure that we just become this very boutique very niche business that is just creating like, but really like valuable uh, value value that, that our clients are absolutely raising raving about portfolio wise um i'm now moving into buying uh single lets. so next year we'll be buying um Anywhere from two to six uh, single lets, um Moved moving away from that um, that old school entrepreneur or previous me mentality. Where I'd go and raise the money. It's like getting the chunks out of the business and then putting them into into uh, into single lets. Family wise, got a new baby on the way in um, May, early May. Congratulations. Um, so we'll have, yeah, two and the two for for about a month, which will be uh, which will be a blast. But just just making sure whilst we're doing all this that. That everything's creating and um, that thing i'm doing is very much from a uh, it's very leveraged and it's very um yeah minimal time with maximum maximum value added uh, for me mm-hmm. so i can spend time with my family i'm in my home office at the moment there's no kind of plans plans to change but really i'm, I'm in a place where i'm really enjoying what we're doing it's, it's adding tangible value to people and i'm enjoying the work-life balance that the kind of this company is it's is really creating creating for me so it's uh it's more of the same i would say essentially for for a while
0: oh, that's brilliant that's brilliant and like i say again congratulations on uh, the next edition um yeah. and also I, I mean have you have you finished your house now because i know you were doing you were renovating your house as well weren't you
1: yeah yeah we did uh it was the, the project from hell 18 months uh it should have taken about probably about nine uh probably less and uh yeah in and and it's been one of these it's been a uh it's been a strange experience in that I was literally just thinking this morning or yesterday that I'm really starting to enjoy living here again. And I think we had like a we did it all and we moved back in. Still loads of issues, still loads of problems, loads of things that weren't fixed. But now I think we're starting to settle. We've probably been back in for about five, six months now, but it's weird, so I'm starting to settle back in. The whole house is Christmassy, and it's now just like for the next few years, just making a making a house a home, which is like the next step and the, the next kind of part of the uh part of the journey. So yeah, it's yeah. it's uh Life's good. We're in a really nice place. And it's uh now it's just yeah, just continue to build all this and just keep it all moving forward.
0: Yeah, but well, that's what it's all about. And it's brilliant to see and hear as well. So what I like to do is because I'm conscious of the timer all the time, uh, is, is a quick fire round where I'll ask you a few questions on different things. And I'm always keen on on the answers that people give uh because it helps me to do a bit of homework as well. So if you don't mind, I'll just ask you a yeah, few questions it. uh and we'll fire them across. So what's the best advice you've been given?
1: Best advice I've given. Or, or you've been or, given. You can do either. Um, don't break the rules, probably. Don't break the rules, which basically just your financial rules. Create some financial rules. Stick to them. Don't break them.
0: Like it. Like it. That's good. That's good. If you were still in the corporate world, what do you think you'd be doing?
1: Probably carried up on that ladder and become some sort of FD within a, hopefully a bit of a smaller, a bit of a more niche business than the one I was in prior. Okay,
0: cool. I like that. I like that. So if you could sit down and have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would you like to sit down and chat to?
1: I would sit down with, these are are brilliant questions. I would sit down with (laughs) Jay-Z, probably Dr. Dre, and probably... (laughs) maybe 50 cent as well i think it'd be a very unusual dinner but i I, i'm big into my hip-hop and i'd love to sit down with those three
0: that'd be good some interesting stories and conversations there wouldn't it yeah
1: don't know if i fit in very well
0: no you'd be good it'd be good so um obviously you've got your own podcast the ultimate fd podcast which we can see behind you which is phenomenal but are there three other podcasts that you can recommend
1: I listen to Diary of CEO, which I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, I listen to Dan Hill's Property Entrepreneur uh, podcast, and I think that's actually—I mean it's, it's, it's only a really low to that I, I tend, to, uh, tend to tend to listen to outside of uh, outside of yours and and, and, and mine as well. Um, when I say listen to mine, it's basically just uh, for for feedback purposes for myself. But yeah, I'd say those are the main two. Um, sometimes like to listen to off the menu, which is basically a comedy podcast with a, where they do a, like a magic restaurant with the, the two comedians, which is good.
0: Okay, I like that. I'll I check that one out. I do you, do you? Um, well, this might just be me, but when I have to listen to my own podcast, obviously, like you say, for editing reasons to make sure that it all sounds good and everything. I have to listen to it at the fastest speed possible because I hate the sound of my own voice. Do you, do you have the same or you're all right with yours?
1: Um, I'm okay with it. I, I wish I could pretend it was for editing reasons. I actually like, it's, um, it's a weird one because sometimes, we, like if I have a guest on and record an episode, I don't really feel like I take much of the actual um, content in. And I don't know, like you may have, like, you're, you're asking loads of questions, but because you're always thinking about the next question, mm-hmm. thinking about whatever, like what, in the direction, like what we need to talk about next. I don't really feel like I actually take much of it in. So I actually find it really valuable to listen back so I can actually hear what the actual person said. So, uh, so no, I don't necessarily need to speed it up. But, yeah, I know what you mean. I never listen. I very rarely listen to anything that's just me just talking.
0: Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. And for the listeners, what does your podcast basically talk about?
1: Uh, the Ultimate FT Podcast. So, so all sorts, really. I, like the, the, I guess the spin is, is all, it's all relatively financial so we talk about you know building a building a valuable business, mastering your margins. We literally have some episodes which are almost like a textbook. So one of the most popular episodes was called Balance Sheet Blueprint. So it's basically, just teach entrepreneurs what a balance sheet it, it each, it, balance sheet is and how it works. We have a monthly tax podcast where we talk about you know specialisms w- within tax with a tax accountant, and basically the whole kind of concept is trying to make financial subjects which are interesting to people understandable because i find that most of the time accountants tend to just baffle you so it's trying to be that translator and get it across so people can really understand this stuff be a bit find of interest and uh, actually like progress in it
0: brilliant brilliant so it's well worth checking out and we'll put links to the show notes for it and everything so what's your top three books you'd recommend
1: top three books um <clears throat> I trying to think what comes to the top of my head. Well, there's what's the ones up here? So they're not necessarily uh they're not necessarily in line with uh the financial uh, stuff, but I'd say one of the top top uh, three books is called The Book of Joy, which is basically uh interview by Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Amazing, just like uh, basically about two amazing people and what they actually you know inspired and how they looked at they looked at uh life. Another one, Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. I don't know if you you read that one. I haven't no. So another experiment. Basically, Michael Singer is a very spiritual uh, spiritual man, and basically just lived his life by even though his mind was saying no, no, I don't want to do that. Just lived his mind by saying yes, and it's like the journey he went on is, is phenomenal. Basically, from a uh, you know living uh, you know in in the woods to uh, being this kind of global multi billionaire businessman, and it all kind of happened by him by him saying yes, and then. Third, third book. I'm reading it again at the moment. Um, let me just remember what the title is. Yeah, that's it. Man's Search for Meaning uh, by Viktor Frankl. So I'm reading it for a second time. I very rarely read books uh, books two times, but it's basically. Have you heard of that one? Yep, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's basically uh, he was a psych- psychologist that ended up in a concentration camp, um, you know, a, a long, long time ago. And it's basically him talking about all the experiences they had in there, and the, the psychology of all the prisoners and how it went on. But there's some real kind of key messages and lo- learn notes in there about about you know life, and it, it's a really powerful one to read when you're, uh, you know, if you think you're tired or go for a hard time, just, just read that. It's incredible. It could, kind of change your perspective on the, on the way you uh, the way you see things.
0: Yeah, I've heard good things about it. But that's three great books. Thank you very much for that. I shall certainly put them on my list to, to no get hold of. So, I mean, basically, it's been phenomenal to have you on. Thank you ever so much for your time. It's, it's, it's always great to have good guests on who, who come with different spins on things. Um, and if anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to
1: get hold of you? Uh, you can go to ultimatefd.co.uk. Check out the website. It's ultimatefd.co.uk. Um, or you can feel free to just find me on Facebook. Uh, follow me, Josh, uh Space Keegan, K W G A N, and then send a message on there and I'll be available to uh to support and help you if we can.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So um, I'll also put some links to Josh and everything in the show notes. So if you are listening or watching this and there are show notes, then you'll be able to just click away to your heart's content on there. So once again, I'd like to thank you for joining me today, Josh. Uh, It'd be great to have you back in the future as well to to continue about your journey and how things are going for your good self, if that's
1: okay with you. Have you got any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? No, just it's been been a pleasure. You've gone kind of depth, like deep into the journey, and uh, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes with my first training business, and luckily, kind of we got out on the other side. But um, yeah, what what we do for people now, we're in this this kind of world, and taking your finances seriously that it's just one of those things which I can speak about till I'm blue in the face. But whether you whether you reach out and you let us help you, or you do it yourself, just start really taking your numbers seriously. Start seeing uh, finances investment, not a cost, and getting clarity and uh, really knowing your numbers and and really creating a business that's finance driven that is where you will have your best years years on record and that's where you create a a low stress high value business which you start to really get paid from so this is you know you don't need to look outwards and find more clients more sales more deals if you start looking inwards this is where the value really comes
0: yeah excellent advice brilliant great stuff well thank you ever so much once again so as always guys and girls thank you for joining us today keep focusing on your vision keep pushing towards those goals and bye for now